Hey everybody up in Modesto and surrounding California areas. This is Doug Jones and I'm coming to see you at Modesto Comic Con July 9th and 10th. So come on out to Modesto Comic Con and see me. We'll be doing autographs and photo ops and hanging out and the hugs are always free and I love them. So we'll see you there. Geekish Cast, Corner Gas, Fancast, Episode 80, the one with a very special guest. Super special. Super special. Who do we who do we get, Jules? Okay, so this our first big get, I think. Is it our first big? Uh, for me, it's our first big get. Yeah. Like I got a little nauseous and nervous to get to talk to him. So this week we have Lauren Cardinal as our special guest, and so we're not gonna do a fan cast. Why would we? Yeah. We're just gonna talk to. Davis. Yeah, we had Lauren Cardinal on. We talked about Corner Gas. We talked about his acting method a little bit. We talked about some of the projects he's got going on. Yeah, I'm really excited because he and Fred Owanek have a project that's coming up, and so now uh, I want to talk to them both about it. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and uh, we'll listen to this episode, and we'll join you right back at the end, and we'll say goodbye then. Yay! Welcome back to Geekish Cast. I'm your host, Jeremy. I'm joined by Jules. Hi. And we have a very special guest with us today, uh, Mr. Lauren Cardinal. Hello, everybody. How you doing there, Lauren? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. That's good. So, Deborah, or Jules and I live in California, so we have to prepare a little bit to get into a Canadian mindset. <laughs> you know, So we've been eating nothing but poutine and bannock for a week now. Oh, nice. You got the bannock part right. <laughs> Oh, you know, you have to you have to go all the way in. You commit or don't do it at all is my theory. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so um, just kind of so you know where we're coming from. Deborah and I, I, I keep I'm gonna. You can gonna call me Deborah. You yeah. can call me yeah. Jules. You can call me Deborah Jules. It's she's 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 a pin name, so I always get it wrong when we yeah. record. <laughs> but um, we became hooked on Corner Gas eight years ago. Two thousand and eight. Eight? Yeah. yeah, so eight years oh, yeah. ago. Wow. And we have probably watched that show more than anybody in Canada has, <laughs> quite honestly. Yeah, it's, uh, you, got, you got on just as we were ending. Yes, yes, yes I did. did. Yeah. Well, WGN, well, WGN carried it for about a year. Oh, right, yes. And that's how we found it, and then we ended up just buying the DVDs. So if if any of us accidentally call you Davis during the recording of this, we have to put a quarter in the jar. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be the first time. Uh, I am sure. Um, so so just because somebody sent me an, a message on Facebook earlier, uh, Justin from Topeka, Kansas, asked me to ask you how much Lauren Cardinal is in Davis Quentin. How much of yourself went into that character? Um, I, I, a good part of it, the good heart part. Uh, Davis is... Uh, He's a, a very two-dimensional character. That was the challenge of playing him. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just uh, there's a, a thing that I do called uh, it's a it's a method of acting. It's called pachinko clowning. Okay. Uh, Richard, invented by a guy named Richard Pachinko, and it's a European-based clown. And and the clown spirit is um, it's everything is new and fresh. I like so that. I, and I can see it for the first time, and he never says no in his vocabulary. It's always all right, yes, because <laughs> <laughs> there's an innocence to that character where it's he's always a little bit excited and <gasps> and all right, yeah. I could see. I totally see that. That's yeah, so that, yeah. So that's that's what I, I I based him on, and just and just went from there. 
And uh, so that was his, his, main, his main function was just to say yes to everything. <laughs> and the joy, that, yeah, that little boy joy of just seeing everything for the first time, you know, no matter what it was. So that was, well, that's, I, which made him really fun to play. I, I really I'm, look forward to playing him. Well, yeah, yeah, you definitely come, he, the character definitely comes off. Yeah, yeah, just like a wide-eyed, like holy cow, look at that kind of guy. Yeah, absolutely. He never says no, and uh, is is always <laughs> and is always excited. Right, right. That's cool. Um, and so this is primarily what we do is comic books, movies, stuff like that. So I have to ask you because I know Davis was a bit of a geek, but Lauren, is there anything you're kind of geeky about? Um, uh, uh, not, uh, not really. I, I used to play rugby, uh, so I'm a big rugby fan. I, I, I try and keep up with it. You know, the World Cup just ended uh, last year, which mm-hmm. was uh, fantastic to watch. I still love watching it, and if I had a good knee, I'd still be out there playing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bad, bad knees will slow you down. Yeah, yeah. The heart, is, uh, the heart and mind say yes, the body says otherwise. <laughs> I find that more and more these days, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> Terrifying. Little, little things start falling apart. So. Yeah, I, I don't imagine you can play rugby real well on crutches or in a wheelchair. Probably. <laughs> no, no. But there is wheelchair rugby, and those boys go hard. <laughs> so I was, we were doing a little reading today and uh, catching up on your CV. Um, it looked like you got back into acting uh, a little bit later into your twenties. Yep. And got a, was a BFA from oh, from the of University of Alberta. Right. Now, I noticed a note on that said you were the first Aboriginal actor or first Aboriginal student to acquire a BFA in acting. From the Does that mean program. Yeah, at, from, that from that school. Okay, I just wanted to make sure because I was thinking that was in the 90s. So I, wanted, I, I hope somebody else did it sometime before that. Um, yeah, a few people in different schools, but I'm, I'm the first one in that program. So uh, that okay. program was established in 1950. Wow. And, uh, wow. and it's also one of the two best theater schools in the country so i was lucky uh to get in i auditioned i was kind of really green actually when i auditioned to get into the program because i didn't i didn't quite uh yeah i didn't quite know what to expect when i did it mm-hmm. it was but it, i look at it i tell people it's the best three years i ever invested in myself and that's important too is finding the thing your thing and then taking the time to invest in your thing and, and doing so. Yeah, that's huge. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I could say that my entire acting career began and ended in the same year. I was a freshman in high school and I was in a play and I had this great line right before the lights went down and I said my line and I said it wrong and I was so undone with I'd left out a word that as soon as the lights went down, I stepped forward and fell off the end of the stage into oh, the drums. No. So oh, that was sort of the end. <laughs> but I've always like watched and we both do watch and we look for, oh, that's that's a great acting moment or a thing. Yeah, yeah. So we look at it and we're impressed by it when it works. But um, but we don't on our own dare to do so again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, not, it's you... not for everybody, for sure. Uh, that's uh, yeah. I was lucky enough to to find when I was like twenty twenty something, twenty two, twenty three, when I discovered that yeah, this is what I want to do. This is what I was meant to do, and uh, I was really fortunate having a good teacher. I asked him, "How do I make a living at this?" And he said, "Get training. Get the best training you can find." So I took him at his word, and I went and did exactly that. That's excellent. Was there any one particular thing that turned the light on for you that you wanted to be an actor? 
Uh, it was my first one-act play I was in, and I got my first laugh when I was behind a, a stove playing a stove repairman. So the lights come up <laughs> on stage, and all you see are my legs sticking out from behind the stove. And then, uh, and then nothing was happening, and so I just uh, had some pliers on the stove, and I just gave it a quick rattle, <laughs> made it move, jump around a bit, and uh, I got a big laugh, my first laugh. <laughs> <laughs> That would do it. Yeah, and um, I was kind of like, oh, okay. Uh, and then after that, I was during the curtain call. I, I just looked and I looked around and I said, "Yep, this is it." I felt most comfortable on stage, and I said, "This is this is it." It was an epiphany. So you've done a lot of stage and screen and back and forth. It's not like a lot of people go one direction and then the other, but you've gone back and forth and done them all at the same time. What's the difference? What do you get differently from each one of those? Well, I, I've also uh, branched into directing as well, directing uh, film, TV, and uh, theater. I love to, I love theater. I'll always try and find a way to afford to do theater. Um, Th- there's the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's one, of, it's one of my loves, but it's it's also the most time commitment for the least amount of money. So, but you you end up doing it for love anyway. So, it's yeah, just a matter that's, of that's where the passion comes in. Exactly. You just got to build up a nest egg and then uh, and then do theater. <laughs> afford okay. to do theater. Um, we, we were looking again. We were looking through your CV a little bit. You've got kind of an interesting photography. Uh, no, this is it. This we've had this. I've had this question for like three months. Tell me about the pictures with the dinosaurs. Oh, <laughs> because just, I'm in uh, love with that print. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I uh, walking my dog by the river here in Squamish. And I uh, was just taking them down, and I just saw these little plastic things. Some kid left them behind. <laughs> so I just uh, just decided to have a little bit of fun with that and stage a little shot and try to get down really low. And uh, I just had a little fun fun time taking a picture of that. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people like them. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad yeah. I took the time to have a little bit of fun. But I used to be a photographer uh, before I was into acting. I was a darkroom technician, and I worked for a, a weekly newspaper. Okay. So I, I did that for like right out of high school. Um, I did that for about three years. I learned how to take a picture. I learned how to develop and make prints. So they taught me all on the job training. So it was great. That's interesting. I, I assume so. Doing that, I imagine you learn scene composition as you're learning photography. Does that help you when you're directing a stage play? Absolutely, absolutely. There's so much I've done in my past that totally. Uh, helps when I direct or when I'm acting on stage. Uh, mm-hmm. Photography, for sure, is, is one of the things. It's all about composing your actors and making a very interesting scene out of, by moving actors around. You don't want them too close. You don't want them talking to each other all the time. You know, you got to learn. They got to learn how to, you know, talk with the person upstage behind them and still talk to them without looking at them. You know, there's there's ways to do that. But, uh, yeah, so everything and then all my... Uh, Oh, my rugby career, because uh, I, I played at a high level for quite a while, and all that training I did uh, taught me about teamwork and uh, accountability and effort, and that's what I use when I'm directing. I'm in charge of a team, and so I, I, I get to tell everybody what to do and what I expect, and everyone, uh, everyone pulls their weight. Okay, and if that doesn't work, you tackle them? <laughs> I just give them a stern look. Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. So, Lord, I got to ask, what kind of dog do you have? I have a big border collie husky. Oh, okay. Yeah. I bet that's. Did, 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 did it get the blue eyes, or do they go brown? No, he's a, he's a black and white guy. 
Okay. Yeah, you can see him in some of my Instagram photos. He's quite a handsome bugger. I'll have to actually follow you on Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge dog lover, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got him at the uh, SPCA up here, and he's oh. a rescue, and he's uh, he's five years old, and he's 92 pounds, just the kind of dog you want when you're out in the woods here. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Is he as smart as a Border Collie? Yeah, he's got the traits of the, the stubbornness of a Husky and the smarts of a Border Collie, so. Oh, that's got to make for some frustrating walks. Oh, we still work on his recall quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's never ending, but he's a beautiful dog, and he's very he's a very chill personality, too. Oh, that's good. Unless you're a squirrel, yeah. and then and then <laughs> it's a whole different ball game. <laughs> yeah, well, I know sometimes border collies, if they get bored, can get destructive. Yeah, yeah. We're lucky he, he missed that phase. He was just... yeah. He was very chill. He, he slept through the night the first time in his little pen. He was house housebroken, and I think he had maybe one accident in the house since we've oh, had that's him. That's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad at all. He's very um, yeah. No, that's I mean that's really good because we've we've had a couple small dogs that they just never learn. <laughs> they never. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so while we were going through some of your shows and stuff that you'd done, um, now I'm going to ask this because I, I have to hit a couple of these shows. Uh, Renegade Press, when you worked on that, you that was where you first directed a television episode was on RenegadePress.com? Yeah, and I ended up uh, directing nine more, but uh, that was my first one. They gave me the first uh, crack at directing TV, so it was uh, okay. it was a learning curve, let me tell you. It was something. <laughs> We what? just found those um, just a couple of weeks ago after yeah. we already had this scheduled. It was, it yeah. was, uh, I was really happy to work on that. They they asked me. That was actually they asked me. They said, uh, "Do you want to play a dad?" And I just kind of went, "Oh no, really? <laughs> I'm getting that age back. I'm still a rebel. I'm still a rebel." But then <laughs> but you went. You went and played a dad just recently. Uh, the same thing, kind of in well, in that it was a single dad. Um, in the If I Had Wings movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. just the last couple of years. So yeah. not that it was the same kind, but there you are a dad again. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just embracing it now. It's just like, it's, it's uh, <laughs> I, you're you know, still I'm, young. You're still pretty. It's okay. <laughs> my motto is I'm 35 till I die. So <laughs> I just oh, that's not a bad one. That's not a bad one to have. Yeah. Stop right there and that'll be good. Yeah. No, 35 is a pretty good age, actually. That's uh both knees were working at the time, but uh, other than that, <laughs> hey, yeah. So you were still playing rugby at that point. Oh yeah. Then. yeah. Okay. Um, so the one I really want to ask you about is this uh, stage play of uh, King Lear. With all, and uh, what is the proper term when dealing with uh, Aboriginal Canadians? Is it Native American or First Nations, or does it matter? Uh, it's, uh, uh, it varies. There's so many I've heard. Indigenous Aboriginal works. First Nation works. Yeah. And if you know their their nation, that's even better. Even better. So, like, in your case, you're a Cree man. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so you've got to, well, not you, but there's a play that has been in the works for 40 years. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was my friend August Schellenberg's uh, dream. He started it in 1967, I believe. He saw his first play. In, oh, sorry, 1964. He saw his first play ever. He was an older, uh, starting late in life, too. He was an older, he was like 29 or something when he took his first acting class as well. And the first play he saw was King Lear. And he loved it so much. And then he had this idea. He said, I want to do that play with all my brothers and sisters on stage. But in 1964, there weren't very many Native actors, uh, let alone uh, uh, actors with training, with any technique. So 
Augie was the first that I know of in Canada to have classical theater training. So over the course of the years, uh, he had a buddy, John Giuliani, and uh, every time they got together, they would uh, they would start talking about Lear and who would play this and that and where they'd get it done. And so it, it would always, because uh, John Giuliani was an actor and director, so John would direct and uh, Augie would be, well, he started out as one of the young guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. and then, Over time, so, that uh, clearly changed. Yeah. Through. I, I first met Augie and worked with him in 93. Three or ninety four, and that's when I first met him. And I, I knew about him before, so it was like meeting a, a hero. And uh, we were having breakfast, and uh, he started talking about this King Lear idea. And I said, "Yes, uh, sign me up. I'd love to play." <laughs> and uh, so that was ninety three. And then in two thousand eleven, he finally got a call. Someone heard his pleas because he'd been going around talking to a lot of people, and just wanting someone with a, who owned a theater, who ran a theater, to to see the merits of it and to uh, want to produce it so that call came from the national arts center in ottawa which is the national theater company in in canada so we had our our director peter hinton who said uh, he wanted to do it and so when i got the call um i wanted to play kent which would be lear's right hand man but Mm -hmm. uh it was already out on offer but so they gave me a smaller part and i was kind of like oh that's too bad and he said (laughs) but but we also want you to assistant direct as well. And I went, okay. Sweet. Yeah, so I got to work with one of the most, one of the most uh, eminent Shakespeare scholars in Canada. He was, uh, Peter Hinton's a, a genius in that field. So I got to, I learned, it was like going to university. It was, it was pretty incredible. My brain hurt after every day. <laughs> <laughs> so then the documentary sort of came out of that. Was it yeah, intentional or just yeah. it grew into a thing? No, it was uh, right after I accepted the job. I said, "So who's documenting it?" And uh, Peter go. said, <laughs> "Peter said uh, no one. Why?" And I said, "Why?" It, I said, "Because it's Augie's forty-year dream. Plus, there's never been an all-Aboriginal Shakespeare on a main stage in Canadian theater history." So Beautiful. once once you realize that, he said. Uh, no, nope, but uh, you, if you want to do it, you go ahead. And I said, like, okay, I guess I'm the guy <laughs> left to do it. Jacob. And is that, that film is finished now? Yeah, we finished the doc and it aired. It's airing on our uh, APTN, Aboriginal People's Television Network. Okay. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it'll be on there for the next couple of years. They'll keep replaying it and stuff. And This is one of those things, Jeremy, maybe you can mention is uh, we – so we and and other people where we're at are starting to look at Canadian television, which we weren't getting before, but it's always hard to find. So we can find Continuum. Yeah. We got to see, um, what was it, the strange, the, the women's Western, the Canadian women's Western. Strange Empire. Strange, strange Empire. But we had to really work to see that. And so things like this, we're trying to figure out where can we find this piece or that piece. Well, um, it, it, unfortunately, it's on APTN on their website, but I don't know if they've uploaded it for streaming yet. We've gained that, and we're just waiting on them to do it. Yeah, okay. Well, we're waiting for that to happen or for it to come to us in a way we can buy. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but absolutely. Do you find no. more people in the States um, coming or looking for Canadian television and Canadian stuff? Or are we just this weird little, like, unit? I feel like it's more than just us. 
I think it's, it goes uh, across. I think it's all across the country. People who enjoy good TV or, or good entertainment, they, they're the ones who will, who will seek it out. I, and maybe streaming is just helping us get more It's making the world things. small, that's yeah. for sure. That's yeah. in, in a good way, hopefully. Yeah, because yeah, I've seen, I've been watching a lot of British uh, series as well, and, and, uh, and, and I love them. <laughs> you know, yeah, you I think we both British grew up on those. For the and uh, the the British version is amazing. The American version, not so much. Oh, I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you you broke up. What show was it? Uh, Broadchurch. Broadchurch. Yes, yeah. the American one was not so good. Oh, and, and it just goes to show the importance of casting, getting the right chemistry, the right people together, because it's the same absolutely. material. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and it's. I mean, I don't know if it was shot for shot the same, but sometimes chemistry can be off. And yeah. like we were talking earlier, composition of scenery yeah. can ruin can absolutely ruin a movie. Absolutely, sure. it's all the, it's all those things. If you have a director who's not quite doing it, or if you have a cast that isn't gelling, then it's it makes it an up, uphill battle for sure. Mm-hmm. No, that is very true. Um, let's see, oh, and the other one we found out about this is yeah. Trying to find Canadian television has been rough for us. I'm pretty sure when we found RenegadePress.com, we might have broken a few international treaties. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but then today, we were looking at Wapos Bay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I can find a few episodes on YouTube. Right. But I can't even buy it on Amazon or anything yet. Again, that's another uh, APTN product. I don't know what they're doing with it or, or, or how to... How they? Uh, I yeah. have to find out more the, about that. There's a sweet spot for Jeremy there because the Sasquatch is one of his all-time sort of iconic um, obsessions. So right, there's right. that, and then and all these little pieces that were coming together, and then the six million dollar man somehow ended up in there, and I don't know what that was, but that was great. Yeah. <laughs> we actually got Lee Majors to come in and do his voice too, so that was Amazing. a good one. Their parts so good for a little Saskatoon show. They did incredibly well. Yeah, but, um, uh, no, I, I, I thought that was him when I heard him, too. Yeah, but So I, we're going to have to dig into that more and make sure everyone we know knows that it's there. <laughs> it's a great little show, and they did such an amazing uh, an amazing job. That's, that's one of those, uh, it, it was an experience, because I would do my, my part in the studio, because I was traveling around quite a bit. I'd be in a studio, and uh, I just talked with the director over the, over the speakers, <laughs> And uh, and then I would just do my parts. There was no one else to play off of, so I just left gaps. So it was very interesting. And you're, you're, when you're trying to set up a joke or a scene or something, you really have to know how to set it up so the people behind you can come in and, and finish it off or fill it in. Or you know, I've always been kind of curious about that. Um, I'm sure that you've heard or come across somewhere that Filmation made a Star Trek cartoon in the early 70s. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and every yeah, and everybody there, all the main cast actually would just whatever town they were in, they would go to a studio, a, um, a radio station, and record their lines. And I've always wondered, you know, there's got to be one episode where nobody's energy matched. Oh yeah, you know yeah. where all the lines just hit each other wrong. I I refuse to watch enough of it to find out, but I know it exists. Well, you know, they they pay those technicians well. They're really good at. At fiddling with stuff, if uh, they, they they can make it work, they're magicians, they're wizards. Well, wizards well that's, that's true panel. too. Yeah. So if you want to, you check out more about the Leary. We've got our website set up too, which is chasinglear.com. 
do. I do. Yeah. I just, that's part of the uh, the package that we had to develop as well. When you're when you're doing shows these days, you always have to have an interactive digital uh, component as well. And it was beautiful. Um, but that's so much a part of the thing now is you do the art and then you have to do the marketing. And oh, I tell you, the business side will kill any creative spirit. Yeah, it just does. I'm, um, I, I know a lot of creative people and I, I want to do the creative part. I want to write the book. I don't want to yeah. actually have to market it. Like yeah, that's not, yeah. but, but you really now have to wear all the hats or have someone that can wear the other hat for you. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. really and, and the, I'm lucky. I did the, with the whole Lear project was hand in hand with my partner, Monique Hurteau, who is uh, the brains of the outfit. She's got an MBA and in, in business consulting and managing and, She's just very creative. She developed and designed the whole website. That was her idea, and I just provided the input. So she's <laughs> and, your uh, handy set of hands. See, that's yeah, what we all yeah. need. <laughs> she's a, yeah, she's also a painter and a writer and a producer and a, a stand-up comic as well. So she's, uh, yeah, full, full meal deal, that one. I was going to say, I noticed that when, when looking at uh, your websites, both of you guys wear about 45 hats. You know, writer, writer, director, painter, photographer, chief cook, bottle washer, and director. Yeah, and dog daycare. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's one of the things in, the, in this business is you have to diversify. You have to do very many things if you want to mm-hmm. stay in the creative realm. Otherwise, it's uh, doing something else as a full-time job, and which is never... Oh, well, it's like, well, it's like me. I'm a plumbing. I'm a plumbing salesman who also has a, uh, a podcast. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes it interesting. Just scheduling is a bit of a problem, but uh, you know, it's all interesting. Exactly. So, have you noticed as the digital media um, spreads more and more, as we we're talking streaming and things like that, are more creative people having to do more business side and uh, promotional things, or? Is that just a necessary part of the beast nowadays, or are there there's still people who can stay primarily creative and stay out of the business side? Uh, I would say no. I would say you have to you have to go go into it, or uh, or you hire somebody that you trust to to guide you through it. But you definitely cannot stick your head in the in the dirt anymore. You can't rely on other people, especially because funding is so hard to get these days. Um, there's so many hoops you have to jump through and there's so much paperwork required to even get the green light to get money to make your show. There's so much to do beforehand, right? Now, now, are you guys seeing um, crowdfunding become a thing up there? We are here in the States yeah, with lots of yeah, small projects. Yeah, and I'm not quite sure how to, what to make of that. I, I'm, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. You still, you still have to get people to... Give you money, so you got to promise them. It's another business form, right? It's just you have to, you know. There's all the perks and kicks. If you get fifty bucks, you'll get a T-shirt or what, whatever perks you can get for them. But somebody um, still has to pay for the T-shirt, and then that exactly. becomes the whole thing on its own. Yeah. yeah. So it's. Uh, I'm not sure if it's making it easier or just creating more work. But uh, if you get lucky enough to get something that people really like, then you're yeah, then you're ahead of the game. But you still have to have a business plan and know how to go about it and what you're going to do with the money and and there's a whole bunch of whole bunch of hoops involved if it's going to make money i guess it's always going to be there there's going to be that necessary evil of yeah. how do we pay for this how do we keep the lights on exactly exactly and somebody's yeah and you'll always have your friends the government asking you questions <laughs> where's your paperwork for this? where's your paperwork for that 
Uh, wh- where's all the money go? Show us the trail, you know? Yeah, not only that, but where's your permits to shoot here? Exactly. And that's just another thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The shooting itself is not a problem. I mean, doing production is great. Once you get, once you get rolling, fantastic. But, uh, but it's, uh, the getting there. It's the getting the, the funding together and the licenses and the broadcast licenses and the agreements and all, all these things that take, uh, take a lot of work. And then I guess my question is always to people, because I, I talk to a lot of small independent, uh, filmmakers, episode, episode makers now. Is it easier for people to find a final product, even if it's small, super independent, and super obscure, you think, these days? Or does everything just get lost kind of in the digital wasteland? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, we, there's a thing called PrimeWire that we watch, and uh, it's from Australia, streaming, kind of a streaming service. I guess you watch mm-hmm. series and movies and stuff. But uh, it's just that the list is, is quite large of the amount of films that are out there that I've never heard of. Yeah, but, yeah that's one of the things I've run into as yeah. well. I did an Australian thing a couple of years ago, and I found like three or four Australian like comedies that were hysterical, little bitty things but yeah. that we never saw here, we never heard of yeah. here, and it's it's good stuff, but it doesn't get past that. You know, it doesn't go over the ocean or, or across yeah. the borders yeah. and... And yeah. we miss out on things. Yeah, yeah. Who, who knows? It's a it's a, it's a crapshoot. I mean, uh, <laughs> Corner Gas is uh, we were in twenty six countries around the world, so we were, and I heard it did well in New Zealand and Australia. So that that was good to hear. So people got the humor out there. They understood it. So. I think I think the humor in Corner Gas was pretty universal. Um, that is one thing I've always noticed is that you could have those people telling similar jokes in just about any setting and it would still work. No, they, um, they, they, that's uh, one of the appeal in, in this country, why it worked from coast to coast. I mean, okay. East Coast to West Coast, and uh, I, I've been you know, approached in, in all places by people who just love the show and recognize the characters. They go, oh, that reminds me of so-and-so back home, or that's just like where I come from, and there's so many similarities like that. Oh sure. Oh sure. Well, it's you know Saskatchewan looks like Oklahoma and Kansas. Yeah. yeah. Um, so do you do you actually have a favorite episode of Corner Gas that stands out to you? Yeah, my favorite is uh, Security Cam. I love That's that the, one. Yeah, that was the first time the first, we had a visiting director. We we had a stable of three or four regular directors that we used. And then occasionally we'd bring in some fresh blood, and that was one of the uh, fresh blood episodes. A guy named Trent Carlson, who's a uh, a filmmaker, he directs like feature films. So okay. he came in shooting TV, which is a totally different style and requirements. But he uh, he, he was fun. I got to work with him, and and uh, we just we just worked on on the gags, and I came up with some ideas, and he loved them, and he said, "Okay, let's do that." <laughs> I said, "Oh, okay." I love collaborating. I, that is a funny episode. For me, for some reason, when you give the lines that I've been a cop for 20 years, I've never... <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not by itself funny, but it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> yeah. And I can yeah. feel it coming before it hits with the gun. You know it's coming, and it's beautiful yeah. that, it's, that it is. <laughs> yeah, actually, I've bumped into police officers who actually... Uh, Say that that's actually happened to them. <laughs> they discharge <laughs> their taser into their hand. Because I was playing around with like, where would it most logically happen? I did in the thigh, and I went, oh, that's kind of hard to do when 
make it funny. And I went, huh, in the head, I could be scratching myself with it. And I said, oh, no, that's a bit, that's a hand. A bit much. <laughs> and then I just worked on my hand and, oh, yeah. And, yeah, that's fun. And also, the, the little red dot, they actually got it to work. My props guys got it to work. So I had fun with that, just falling around like a big cat. <laughs> that's great. For me, I think the episode where you and Eric, playing Oscar, get stuck on the roof. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love that episode. You guys play off each other so well there. He is a brilliant actor. I mean, I loved working with him and Janet. They're both uh, very veteran theater actors. And, uh, is, he, I've done, is, I've, is he cranky at all, or is he actually pretty <laughs> well uh, he's a very He's more apt to laugh at you than anything else. He's very okay. funny. He's a very, uh, very jovial person. I love that character of Oscar. Yeah. He, he just, just kills me. But there's that part where you watch somebody play a role so long that you can't quite separate the two anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and Eric's had quite the illustrious career. I mean, he was in another big Canadian hit called Street Legal in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, there's actually, I don't remember the episode, but you've got a throwaway joke in an yeah. episode of Corner of Gas. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he's he's been on a couple of hit hit series in this country. So he's uh, yeah, quite, and quite the uh, prolific stage actor as well. So, Deb, you got anything else? For I do. Um, my first initial thought the other day was, I want to say, I want a Davis mixtape. But then I was thinking, but you've done the indigenous music thing for years, so maybe you can throw me a, a Lauren mixtape. Just a couple of ideas of the direction it would take, and then I'll, you know, follow it out from there. Oh, I'd be everything. I'm a big fan of music. I love music of all all types. Like uh, some of my favorites is Steve Earle and Del McCrory. I like me a little bluegrass. I like some blues. I like uh, some John Lee Hooker and Friends. (gasps) John Lee Hooker, uh, the best. Okay, we're there. (laughs) There's also a great bunch of guys here. It's the the newer type of uh, dance type music, the Tribe Called Red. Tribe Called Red. Yeah, we're right. Do here. a mix of uh, electronic, uh, it's like DJing with powwow music, and they mix it with other oh. music, and it's just, it's quite incredible. Okay, okay. Yeah. Good, good. Tribe Called Red, highly recommend them. i definitely check that out. Um, but yeah, you you were pretty active with the, uh, the indig- was it the Indigenous? Music Awards, yeah. yeah. Music, a- APCMA. The Aboriginal and People's Choice Music Awards, and then last yes. year they changed it, uh, upgraded to uh, Indigenous Music Awards. So it's that also way, it's shorter, <laughs> shorter, and it also includes uh, it can include Indigenous people around the world as well. So oh, we're trying to, oh yeah, yeah, okay, Zealand yeah. Maoris, you know, whoever, anybody who makes music, nice. Well, that's a fantastic idea. That's just exposing it. I mean, I love that doing that show because I just wanted it to trying to make a dent into the mainstream because the radio airwaves are so protected and, and guarded with this, you know, some of the pop wow. sound, which is pretty uh, cookie cutter. and. Oh, yeah. I'm always looking for things that aren't on the radio, yeah, basically. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I want to listen There's to. There's so many great musicians out there with a, an incredible voice. They have a voice and a viewpoint, and they, it deserves to be heard by everybody because all it does is just, you know, it brings everybody closer, and it just uh, shortens the gap between people. Let me ask you on that same on that same note. There, besides uh, tribe called Red, is there is there one or two indigenous indigenous music acts that you would highly recommend to people if they've never listened to a uh, couple of these bands? Yeah, Derek Miller would be uh, another one. Love his stuff. 
Um, there's a guy out of the States called Superman. You can actually YouTube him, Superman, okay. S-U-P-A-M-A-N. And he does, uh, uh, he works with a loop, a, a digital loop. So he'll start okay. with a, a flute. He'll lay down some flute and then he'll lay down some, some, uh, a drum beat and then he, uh, it loops that. And then he'll, uh, he'll, he does, just does a bunch of layered stuff and he's, he does it all in, uh, his dance regalia. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's, he's quite the, it was, it was quite amazing to see. He just blew me away. I'll have to check that out. Off the top of your head, do you know what nation he is? Uh, I think he might be uh, from the Lakota nation up there. Okay, I was just trying to get a picture of the the, the dance outfit he might wear. But Jeremy, yeah. you can link to all that on the. Oh, I just, on this the, is all yeah. this is all going in the show. Okay. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Lauren. Just so you know, when I when I was a little kid, like Billy Jack was my favorite movie. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. and and I saw Russell Means speak yeah. at the age of three and four. Um, I was seven before I realized I was just a boring white kid with parents who were really into native culture. Um, but you know, I, I'm a huge Billy Jack fan. I can tell by your reaction, you must know that movie. Oh yes, I knew I knew them all. Uh, actually, uh, back home on my res, it was like I don't know how many guys started showing up with black hats. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like, Billy guys, come on, come on now, you know. But the effect, uh, but uh, that was a first Hollywood kind of brush with. Uh, yeah, there's a native guy actually playing a native guy in there. <laughs> yeah, it's um, so. Did did you know all the movies Born Losers and Billy Jack Goes all, to Washington? Yeah. yeah. Wow. It takes a brave man to get through Billy Jack Goes to Washington. <laughs> oh yeah, without trying to go and burn something down afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the beginning of it's hard to watch just because it's hard to watch, and then by the end of it, you're so damn mad that it's hard to <laughs> hard to stay in your seat. Yeah. Yeah. No, my uh, my whole family was involved in. Uh, my dad and my uncle were involved in the politics in the '60s up here in the up here in Canada. So they had uh, uh, dealings with the AIM guys as well back in the. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we were uh, quite heavily involved in all the happenings up here in the '60s and and '70s and stuff. So yeah, uh, uh, well uh, well versed in my politics. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, it's, I've still got a copy of In the Spirit of Crazy Horse. Yeah. Actually, I did that uh, play. Uh, we did uh, a play called uh, Black Elk Speaks. You know what? Actually, that's in my notes. I forgot I about this. I wrote that my... down. I yes, made a yes, note to you because I know how you love that. Two of my favorite books when I was a teenager, yeah. Black Elk Speaks and uh, uh, Lame Deer, Seeker of Visions. Right, right, yeah. Two of my absolute favorite books there. So you actually did like a stage play version of Black Elk. We did it in Denver. We did a combination of uh, Black Elk Speaks and Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. So, oh. so the whole premise uh, was uh, there was this this uh, uh, this reserve is uh, about to enter into ceremony of some sort. So mm-hmm. all the relations around there were like twenty five of us on stage at one point, um, uh, and native musicians, drummers, dancers, and actors. So it was quite a blend. But we were all playing this group of people, and what, the young guy comes in and he's talking to his grandfather and uh, says he wishes he was uh, a white guy because they're so smart. They do this. They, they, you know, they've captured the Thunderbird in a glass. They've, you know, they're, they're, they have so much to offer. I want to be, a, I want to be them or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the old guy says, well, that's all good. It's always good to change and, and know things and be smart, but uh, you should know where you come from first before you make yeah. that choice. So then uh, at that, that was our cue. And then we all, 
rush off stage and then we start telling the story of basically from contact from Columbus all the way to Wounded Knee in 1890. Oh wow. Oh wow. So we start with with the Tainos and we do a scene involving them and their uh their first contact with the uh, Europeans and which ends in a massacre. And then we go mm-hmm. up to Bosque Redondo which ends in a massacre and so it just, you know, and there's a bit of a uh, thread through uh through the stories of all the things. So we, yeah, so we did uh, we did that. And it was uh we had uh, a week of previews before we officially opened and our first preview with our first live audience, we had a sold out house. We had like I forget how many 1200, 1500 people in the theater. And uh, be- just as the lights were starting to go dim, we just heard this rush, this and we're going like, uh-oh, <laughs> I think we pissed somebody off. I think they're going to rush to the stage. And yeah. it was just, they were instantaneously on their feet in the standing ovation, started in the dark, and it lasted for quite a long time. So wow. our standing ovation on our first show, and the director was backstage after we have notes afterwards, and he said, all right, you know, that was good. Uh, you know, we still got work to do, and don't let it get to your heads, because it probably won't happen again. <laughs> going, Okay. I like a realist and a director, you know. <laughs> so, so, uh, so the next night we went out and it was the exact same thing. And before we even opened, we had lineups around the the building, people looking for tickets. Wow, we we had wow. people holding up signs saying "Must see the show." My children must see the show. Need two tickets. And uh, yeah, so it was uh, it was it was a huge hit. It's probably too much to ask. You guys didn't film this by any chance, did you? No, no, unfortunately not. Again, that's one of the, that's another reason why I did Lear because I'd been involved in yeah. historic productions that weren't ever recorded. So yeah, this is part of my frustration. Great theaters, beautiful, but a it doesn't translate always. You can't capture it and. And nine times out of ten, nobody's even trying to. And so it goes, you're there in the moment, and that's part of the preciousness of it. Yeah. But it's also part of the, God, but I wasn't there kind yeah. of feeling. <laughs> it is. Uh, most all, I think all theaters record it, but it's only for archival purposes in case they right. remount it or yeah. somebody you know, falls ill and then they have a blueprint to work from, the replacement actor or whatever. But, uh, yeah, to film anything like that really well, you need to, without an audience, you need about three or four cameras roaming yeah. around. It has to be really well thought out for it to translate. And you need one hell of an editor, too, to yeah. edit all together. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, now I really want to see that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was quite brilliant. It's time it was, for the revival. It was one of the one of the first plays, I, big plays I did right out of theater school. So it was... Uh, and to be and to have twenty three native performers on stage was quite. It never. I'd never been anything a part of that before. And uh, and eerily enough, every we had one person from every nation that we talked about during the play. Yeah, which was which was quite which made it really uh, uh, dear to all our hearts because some of these people had relatives who were survivors of these events. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So at, at, yeah. at points we had to, we, we would stop rehearsal because somebody would be breaking down crying because they're crying for their families and their ancestors. And it's a direct connection. It's not like, oh, you know, somebody else. And no, they're my, my, my line. In well, yeah. well, yeah. And that's, you know, not that I'm telling you anything you don't know, but most people, people who survived this. And so there's still a lot of pain yeah. in it. No, absolutely. 
No, absolutely. Well, just look, I mean, after European first contact with this continent, a level of death just from infections by diseases that weren't native here mm-hmm. wiped out millions and millions and millions of people. And people forget about that from the first year hundreds, to the hundreds of millions we heard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, that's I've I've actually seen it written out where people said the second wave of Europeans to reach the Americas, it probably looked like a post-apocalyptic um, overgrowth of trees and plants, but it was trees and plants that were bred originally to feed people, but all those yeah. people were gone. Yeah, you know? yeah, empty villages, empty towns that used to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's kind of, it's, it's very, the human history is not always that great. <laughs> it is, it is yeah. really not. I mean, we, we, we do shine at moments as a species. But Absolutely, but... As, as nations, we often really suck the air right out of the room. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's it's too bad. There's a disconnect. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, we should be headed to a bright future. I'm yeah, hoping. yeah, yeah. And the only way to change that kind of stuff is just through education, sharing what Absolutely. you learn, sharing what you learn yeah. with everybody. Yeah. So, uh, just just as a question to you, just because I'm curious, how how is the state? Um, of you know your Aboriginal people in Canada, are you is everybody pretty well treated up there, or is it still just as bad as it used to be in the seventies and you know before? Uh, there's marginal improvements, but overall there's still uh, there's still a lot of communities in third world conditions. There's uh, I would say about ninety percent of Aboriginal communities need to boil their water before they they consume it. Jeez. So that's one of the huge problems, and and plus the you know we were one of the fastest growing populations in the country. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So it's um, it, 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 there's issues that need to be dealt with, and yeah. and uh, yeah. the government can't drag their feet, and our own native leaders can't drag their feet too. They have to start thinking about their grandchildren, and moving in that direction. Well, absolutely, because at least with the native cultures here, we're kind of on the edge of the cup here. Yeah. If things aren't done to preserve it, we are in danger of losing what little is left. Yeah. I mean, the the Great Barrier Reef is 90% dead, which is very sad news. Yeah. You know, there's things that we've done as, as humans that we should be ashamed of and we should be doing bending over backwards to try and remedy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but and yet in, it seems that in, for the most part, we just cover our eyes and pretend it's not there. If I don't see yeah. it. It's not there. If I don't see the garbage in the ocean, it's not there. If I don't see native people because they're uh, tucked in a corner, then they don't really exist um, and all of these things. Yeah. Yeah, it's time to get the the media out of the hands of the corporations. (laughs) Instead of using it just to flog goods, I mean, they should be using it for what its intent was in the first place, which is education and knowledge, sharing with everybody. So no one across this country both North America and South America are in the dark. Yeah. So much knowledge available that we, they should be just free sharing it with everybody. Let me, do you guys have, uh, I, I usually don't talk a lot about politics or anything. Do you guys have an equivalent to Fox news? (laughs) Unlike your wife. (laughs) Uh, No, no, we rely on Fox news. (laughs) No, no. No, Fox has got their own. We, we have some, some, paper every paper like the, there's a sun chain that are more you know sleazy and in slasher type news than any in-depth reporting for sure yeah, because yeah, bad news sells so there's a lot of that yeah. and and easy to read bad news like yeah, a sentence absolutely. and a half 
as opposed Absolutely. to like old school reporting of let right. me explain this to you at depth so you have a grave understanding of what we're facing. Yeah. It's a headline on Fox <laughs> News and yeah. <laughs> it's frustrating. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a misuse of uh, 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 good resources. Yeah. Well, Lauren, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this tonight. Well, pleasure. I uh, appreciate the, the call and uh, say hi to all your followers and viewers. And uh, too bad I couldn't get my Skype to work, but you know what? I'm slowly coming into the 21st century. It's, it's okay, because I'm sure a few months out, I'll try to figure out another reason to have you back on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> by, then, by then, we'll figure it out. So is there any project or anything you've got going on that you'd like to... Um, you know, tell people about. Maybe yeah, I'm drop just going to be uh, actually just uh, in a couple of days. I'm going to go work on a, a web series. This is <laughs> the new. This is the new way now to try and get something on a network. You do a web yeah. series, mm-hmm. and then hopefully somebody, some network, will be interested enough to order it. And if not, you just end up doing it by yourself and doing it for a hundred bucks. But yeah. it's yeah. a it's it's a series called um, Going for Broke, and it's about a golf pro. Who will be played by my good buddy Freddie Awanek? Yes, love Fred Awanek. So yeah. we get to see you two together again. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I said yes because Fred was involved, and I said oh, I like playing with that guy. You know, I like playing <laughs> golf with him, and and also I, I like him as a person. So uh, yeah, I jumped at the chance to work on that. So I'll get my hundred bucks, and uh, then we'll be in the can. <laughs> Well, a lot of what Jeremy does, um, a lot of the people that he talks to and, and shows that, they, that they're promoting are exactly this, are web series, are things that started out as web series. So that's yeah. Yeah. totally what, what Jer- your listeners, Jeremy, right? Are, yeah. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. So we'll definitely send them your way yeah, as soon as it's up and about. Yeah, they've got a Twitter thing going already called Going for Broken. We're also, uh, I think Fred, Freddie's involved on another one, too, called Brew Stars. I'm uh, sorry, Blue Stars? Brew, Brew Stars. Brew Stars, as in beer. Yeah. Beer. I yeah. Mean, not that I know a lot about beer. I'll be working on that one. I think, I think Freddie's involved in that one as well. So uh, I think oh, I'll, I'll check be, that out. with him on that one as well. So. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. Um, I mean, if it, if it does anything for you guys at all, when you're ready to get out and start doing promotion for going for broke, I would love to have you guys on. Absolutely. You, yourself, or any combination of people yeah. you might want to bring on. That'd be perfect. Uh, yeah. And again, very gracious of you to take the time to do this. I really Absolutely. appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for asking. And you guys take care of yourself down there. Well, you guys do the same up there. All right. We'll talk to you later one. then. Bye. All, All right. right. So I think you can actually hear the moment I got butterflies in my stomach while talking to him. I'm, I'm not 100% certain. Um, I was horrified because I I didn't know he was going to be talking to twice. I think I like almost cut him off, and I was thinking, I'm cutting off Lauren Cardinal. I'm cutting yeah. off Davis. How could I do such a thing? So I'm really sorry. So what I did find really interesting besides, well, I didn't know Everything. necessarily about the music hosting. Um, he gave I us, did. yeah, you did. Uh, he also gave us a, a couple cool Aboriginal bands and groups to check out. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, including 
Superman. Superman and, and um, oh, a tribe called Red. A tribe called Red. Yes. Yeah. But so we did get to ask him about about playing Davis. Oh, I don't remember the fellow's name now. But uh, out of Topeka, Kansas, I did Josh, have uh, Justin. I can't remember. Was a guy with a name that started. I'm, I'm going to write to him on Facebook and okay. let him know that we did this. But I'm so sorry. He I offered got... a question up, and we asked Lauren, which is how, how much of Lauren is how in... much of Lauren is in Davis? And you you always wonder, like, is he just kind of a goofy fella is is that he seems um, to be a very serious man i i think that i learned a little bit of that from the show prep because he's got so much theater and really seems passionate about that but also uh yeah about the native americans or the first nations uh stuff that he does but aboriginal in general um one of the things i did find interesting was asking him about playing Davis, and he brought up a character or a style of acting that I had never heard of. Now, I'm not an actor, so it's not that unheard of, but the pachinko clown method or the pachinko clown style, that had me wondering, because those characters are so universal, what do the other actors do to put themselves in the corner gas characters? Like, they're not all just Brent Butt playing Brent Butt. Now the question is, how many of them are the exactly, you know... They've worked themselves into this character, and what we just thought was them sort of being Being. So now we have one goal for this show on top of doing the next 102 (laughs) episodes plus a movie. We're not stopping that, but we must get every surviving cast member and perhaps director of this show. Okay, okay, okay. And where are we going to start? We're going to start with Carol and David. The Dog River Fire Department. The Dog River Fire Department. The very brief Dog River Fire Department. In our search for Carol and David, I would say that if Tara Spencer Naren came in. Yeah, if if Tara Spencer Naren. Karen. Had time. Then we have the the DRPD. If we have the entire DRPD, I would forego the Dog River Fire Department. All right, everybody. Uh, Jules, anything else to add besides me being apologetic for getting your nom de plume wrong continuously no, in this episode? No, that is okay. It was delightful, and I'm still a little pinching myself that we got to talk to Lauren. Kind of Again, uh, Lauren Cardinal, thank you so much for coming on. Um, Jules, where can they find you out on the interwebs? You can find me at laurastina, L-A-U-R-U-S-T-I-N-A dot com, and uh, on Twitter as laurastina as well. At laurastina? Yep. Okay. And in the meantime, you can find us at geekishcast.com, but also at cornergasonline.com. That's right. Yeah, and we treat from tweet from at the geekishcast. Also, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash geekishcast. That's, and that's we're going to have to go now because there's a dog eating a balloon. There's a dog eating a tinfoil helium balloon. Take care, everybody. We'll have see you real night. soon.